With MailChimp, you get a whole lot more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. That means you can connect your data to make more informed, smarter decisions. And you get powerful automation tools like our customer journey builder to ensure you never miss an opportunity to turn shoppers into loyal customers. So if you're ready to integrate your marketing and boost sales, get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paper Movies podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy. And with me today, I have Adam and Matthew. And today, we're talking about the 1979 classic, Alien, which I've lost my copy of it, even though I saw it yesterday. I don't know, but um, I'm okay. Alien is written by what, who I consider to be the maestro of movie novelization authors, Alan Dean Foster. It's based on the screenplay by Dan O'Bannon. And it is the story about the Nostromo receiving a distress call from an unknown planet. The caller, an unknown species of alien. The crew, basically a bunch of uh, working class people, are taken out of hyperspace. Uh, They are on a long haul getting crude oil. And they have to go respond to this distress call. Three of the members go out and discover an alien craft, spacecraft. One of them gets something attached to his face. And that's when the the something hits the fan. (laughs) Where the real fun begins. (laughs) Yeah. What did you guys think of Alien? I thought it was good. I I really enjoyed it. So I wanted to mention something before we really get into it. I wanted to do this book for a while, but it it came to my attention. We've talked about it on my other podcast, Star Wars Legends. Alan Dean Foster's having trouble with his royalties. And he's not getting royalties for this book in particular, among uh, several others. Um, And this is one of those few instances where a movie novelization from back in the 70s, is still in print. In fact, it changed um, ownership uh, a few years ago, and it's now owned by Titan Books. Adam, I know your copy is a Delray copy, um, because I gave it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, So I wanted to bring that to attention, because Alan Dean Foster, to me, is one of the greatest movie novelization authors of all time. He's written tons of stuff from Star Wars to The Last Starfighter to Kroll to most of the Alien movies. He's written pretty much all of those novelizations with the exception of Alien Resurrection. He even wrote Clash of the Titans, too, the novelization of That's that. That's right, he did. Uh, but I wanted to pick Alien because it's, to me, the gold standard of all of his writing really comes from this this is in my this is my favorite of his uh novelizations can i say something real quick yes uh you were saying that like this is like one of his bests and i agree because i kind of had the same uh thought process like in reading dragon slayer the novelization because it was like if this wasn't a movie first i could totally see the book coming first just that that's just how well it was written yeah i 
I absolutely loved this book. I couldn't put it down. I went through this in probably four days. Um, an outstanding book. I was shocked when I read it. And then I watched the film afterwards and I was so dis. this is going to be controversial words right here, but I was so disappointed in the film after reading this book. Let me ask you this. What cut of the movie did you watch? Uh, I have a 25th anniversary edition. Okay. So did it have the cocooning know. scene in it? No. Okay. You watched the theatrical version. There is the director's cut is closer to this. The director's cut doesn't add much. Basically, when they're landing the ship, it's like 20 minutes long of landing, which I find fascinating, but most people hate it. Um, And there's also the scene from the novel where Ripley are uh, we don't even know she's going to be the protagonist. And I love that the book does that as well as the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, She finds Captain Dallas cocooned on the wall in the director's cut, which was in the original script, but they cut it. Oh, wait, okay, that scene, yes. That's in it? When she's on her way out. Yeah, that's not in the theatrical version, so you have seen the director's cut. Okay. Um, There was so much in this book that was just glorious and elaborate. mm -hmm. The the way that he writes, like you said, Adam, I'm surprised it wasn't a book first. Because usually, you know, some of these books that we've read or the novelizations are like, oh, this is clearly taken from the script. There was so much in the film from Alien that was obviously you have to have the script to write the novelization. Mm-hmm. It's always based off the screenplay. Yes. Um, so much was cut from the film that after I read the book, I, I was just like so many details, so many important details that were in the book that did not make the final cut of the yes. film. Yes. Um, that's something interesting. Um, Adam, what were you going to say? Well, yeah, I was just going to kind of uh, uh, add to that. I was just like, yeah, I remember in the watching the film, like after reading this book, I was like, wow, there was a lot more dialogue in the book than there was the film. Like yes. there was like a, a few things that I felt like would have benefited the film that was in the book. So um, there's certain thing. Yeah. Um, that's the thing with a lot of Alan Dean Foster's novelizations. Aliens is the same way where there's a lot of dialogue, but I'm not a fan of Aliens. When we, I hope that we do review this that in the not too distant future because there's I have some complaints I want to address during that, but that's not what this review is about. This none of the dialogue feels dull or unnecessary. It is all necessary. There's also some interesting um, differences in this that I want to get into. Um, and then, but first I want to address something, which is the, I call it the current narrative of the alien books and comics. There was this time, because I just finished, I went from this and I read, uh, Christopher Golden's novel river of pain, which is about the colony and aliens and what happened to them, which the first seven chapters are unbearable of that book. Cause it's basically Ripley doing stuff she did in the aliens movie and it's being retold, but they add something and they did it the same thing in, um, out of the shadows. And I'll talk about this more in my uh, review of river of pain, but the narrative now is that Ripley and Dallas were an item and they were like friends with benefits. And that's something I like about this book is that everyone is on a professional level with everyone. Yeah. With the exception of Parker and Brett, they're like really working dudes 
and <laughs> engineers everybody. and they hate their jobs and they want to get oh, paid yeah. more. Like that's the only dynamic that, that, that lacks the professionalism, but like they're not sleeping together. There's, it's not some weird Greek orgy or something like in there. Mm-hmm. It, and that's the thing with the new uh, alien narrative when it involves uh, Ripley or her daughters, like, Oh, we're changing things that weren't in the movies. We're never hinted at in the movies and we're never hinted at in the movie novelizations. And yeah. And I was so thankful that they didn't do that in alien. Cause they could have done, he could have done that right off the bat. Like just have like some sort of romance. And he's done that before in uh force awakens. For instance, he had to cut out the Ray Finn romance. That was, that was in his novelization. And Disney said, no, but he has done that before. When he sees something in the script, he will flush it out. But there's none of that in Alien, and it's nice that we don't have, like, oh, these two, they're in love. Like, yeah, could the it... The odd sexual things that you found in basically everything now, like you're <laughs> saying. There was only one mention in the, in the book whenever uh, Ripley asks, oh, what's her face? Uh, what was the female's name? Lambert. 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 She, she asks Lambert, she's like, out of curiosity, because uh, Ash is acting so strange, and she picks up some weird vibe, and she's like, is he sleeping with you? And she's like, no. Yeah, because he doesn't... And he just kind of moves on, because it's like he's just being like a real weird creeper, and... Well, yeah, I think there's also something where Parker's, like, thinks that Ripley's attractive, but, like, can't stand to be around her because she tells him to do his job. <laughs> uh, but, like, that that's, that's normal, and it feels right mm-hmm. in this book. Um... Some other things, some things that were different. Uh, the face hugger had a weird cyclops eye, which I found just disgusting to think about. Yeah, yeah it's pretty gross. Yeah. In the, in the, go ahead. Uh, in the, the tool that they used, they actually used a scalpel in the book. Uh, if, if you watch the film, which I did, like I said, after I, I read the book, they used the laser to cut. Yes. And it's cut the little face hugger's finger. With you know, which then we have acid is their blood, which is really creepy and scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I also liked whenever uh, I liked how the ash scene where uh, they're interrogating him was expanded because, like, I remember you know, ash was talking about like, uh, it's like, oh, well, you know, since I'm not a human, it's just like I have a better chance of standing up against the uh, the creature than you, yeah, can. yeah. And, it's like, they, 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 they cut that out of the film, like. Uh, a couple of things. There's no space jockey in this. Are you guys familiar? You two aren't big alien fans. The big alien thing that's a fossil that they find in the movie, mm-hmm. that's not in the book. Right, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't know. So this is my second read of this in the last year. I read this the this time last uh, in 2020. I read this in Aliens Back to Back. Um, it was, it was so weird, um, because yeah, that's, I didn't notice it the first time, but the second time a our uh, friend quality autism's like, yeah, there's no space jockey in this. I'm like, what? And yeah, no, they never come across a fossilized, uh, space jockey, hmm. but in, yeah, in aliens river, in alien river of pain, they make extra, they like overcompensate for that by finding all these fossilized alien xenomorphs everywhere. 
and like fossilized space jockeys and they were like fighting one another in the ship and it's just like what why didn't we see that in alien that's stupid but uh but this isn't a river of pain review (laughs) i just want to rant on that um yeah um i like there's a really cool scene in this where Ripley uh, Parker finds the alien and tries to blow it out into space, but its arm gets caught in a door and its arms ripped off. Yeah, I thought that was really cool too, and I was surprised to see that it wasn't. So it's hard to not talk about the film and this after like because there's such great differences. That was so fun about these, like mm-hmm. with this and like Adam mentioned earlier, Dragon Slayer. When the author gets to just write the book ahead of time. And yeah. get the full story put out there before all the cuts happen. You get such crazy nonsense and cool things that mm-hmm. you, watching the film, you wouldn't get that with the whole arm being cut off and the alien in the airlock where he's about to be blasted off into space. The plans that they have, they they get ruined. You know, it's mm-hmm. just it's so cool, it's so cool to see all, the, all this crazy different things that you didn't get in the film. Yeah, I I love this book. I I can't stress that enough. Um. I love the beginning of it. We, I want to talk about the beginning where they talk about their dreams. Yes. That is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they're dreaming about in hypersleep and what the cat's dreaming about. And they allude to what Ash is. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they don't They don't say what he is. Right. See, and you know, this kind of put me on a little alien kick where I was like, okay, well, I got to watch Aliens. I got to watch Alien 3. I got to watch Prometheus. Uh, I don't know why you did the last one, but, you know. I rewatched it. (laughs) I rewatched it, and uh, it makes more sense to me now than it did whenever I (laughs) haven't seen Alien and Aliens. Oh, I can't even imagine because it makes no sense in general. (laughs) Just an awful Uh, movie. Yeah, but what was I going at? What was I going at? to cut this out now there's something about the prometheus that i was talking about (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i don't know it it put you on a kick like this was screaming in the background i we can't hear it um it put you on a kick because you were reading the novelization and made you go on this alien kick you read you watched alien and aliens alien 3 prometheus I can't remember why I was going to talk about Prometheus now. It's driving me crazy. There was a valid, there's like a reason that I had to. Is it about the Deacon alien at the end? No, I know what it is. Okay, here we are. We're jumping back into it. Um, Okay, yes. So I did watch Prometheus. Okay. Uh, And like you're talking about with the the dream sequence in the beginning of this book, Mm -hmm. that's referenced in Prometheus whenever they're all in hyperspace. Uh, I can't remember what the robot's name wasn't that one but he's re- uh, watching their dreams oh yeah yeah um so i thought that was like a neat little david like oh david yeah that's david. right they pulled that little thing out of the book and you know oh he's seeing their dreams and it made me think immediately oh yeah alien the, they're going into the the dreamers the professional dreamers the non-professional dreamers yeah that that is probably the only clever thing in prometheus yeah movie's a <laughs> pile of trash yeah it, it was a lot of it was pretty pretty junky i was wanting to uh mention this earlier uh, when you were talking about alan dean foster um with this i kind of feel like um 
there's nobody else that could have done this novelization justice more than he did because it was just, I just liked how, um, you definitely get his writing style in it, but he just like, he definitely did capture the movie very well. And Mm -hmm. like I said, he, you know, expanded upon certain scenes like with like dialogue and other stuff, but, um, it was just, it was just very well written. And I think, you know, like I said, nobody else could have done it justice. If, like if somebody else would have written it, it probably would have just been like a basic, you know, like rewrite of the film, you know? Yeah. A lot of coffee consumption in the book. Yes. <laughs> anybody, anybody, ever, anybody else notice that? <laughs> a lot of coffee, a lot of smoking. Yeah. Which I yeah. find, I find sci-fi of the seventies and eighties so funny because they're all just chain smoking. Yeah. It makes no sense. <laughs> Why would you smoke in a spaceship? Yeah, air just, you know. Oh, good. You, you would have to only smoke one cigarette. You'd just smell it for the rest of your voyage. Yeah. And some of those voyages were like, what, weeks or months? Oh, yeah, no. they're That's why they're in hypersleep. It's like a year. Dang. It's a long time. They get, they get paid well. That's why they do it. The one thing that really did drive me crazy, I you know we always like to talk about the the positives and the negatives about these things, uh, with characters, Ripley talking about getting the cat, like oh we have to go get the cat. We have that. We have to have some humanity when they're trying to get out uh-huh. to the shuttle. She tells Parker and Lambert like we got to get the cat, and they're like, screw the cat. We need to live. So it makes me wonder how much things would have been different. How many more survivors would we have? if they would have just forgot about the cat. As someone who went through a traumatic experience where I lost cats, I totally get where Ripley's coming from. I would have gotten the cat. So, like, you you two aren't cat people. I'm very much a cat person. Y'all don't understand, but Matthew and Adam do whenever I'm at my parents' house. Half the Marco Polos are of the cats. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be a crazy cat, man. Oh, yeah. 20 cats in my house. (laughs) Well, it's just kind of funny that you mentioned that, Matthew, because, like, in the, in the, um, the film, like, she didn't really, she was wanting to get the cat, but like, it wasn't like as, it didn't seem as urgent. Like, cause once she left the cat there and the alien was uh, like kind of staring at it. And there was a couple of times where she was like, I know she was in a rush to get out of there. Like, so she was kind of <laughs> clumsy, but like, it looked like when she was like hauling that box with the cat, it, it kind of reminded me of the opening scene of Ace Ventura with the package and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, oh, another thing that's, uh, not in the the movie is the uh, the aliens just banging poor Jones the cat's cat carrier around trying mm-hmm. to get him out. Yeah, <laughs> poor it's baby. It. Yeah, it uh, gives but, it a little it more urgency when she's like. Where in the movie it's more, we get the the famous butt shot for all horror movies of that little, little crack. Thing going on oh, in the yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah, that was weird. <laughs> Which, um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, and then we get the jump scare. Well, that doesn't really work in a book. No. So the alien shows up. It's more dramatic in the book. And she, like, it becomes a race. So the cat doesn't get ripped in half by an alien to get it out of the, the ship. Right. 
I know that but cat's I mean, probably like, oh, go ahead. Yeah, but we, we, I guess the cat thing was important because that gets Ripley away from Lambert and Parker so that they go to the mess to get food, which is when they die. Mm-hmm. She, like, hears it happening over the intercom. So that's when she knows, like, well, uh, forget that. Time to go get to the shuttle. Uh, it's something I like uh, with the book more than the movie is for sure it's a quick death for Lambert, whereas in the movie they hint at some weird things that we can't talk about on this podcast. With the alien. If you watch the uh, documentary The Making of Alien... They talk about how they wanted to leave that in the air because, like, the tail goes up her leg. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 really weird. I'm so glad James Cameron didn't go with that in Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, me and my wife watched this the other night. We noticed I was just like, wait, what the heck just happened? You know? <laughs> well, yeah. because they just, in like, I think it's Aliens or Alien 3, they established that you can harpoon someone with the alien tail. I think it's aliens where that first happens. And the tail has like a stinger on the end or something. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of some, um, some more things. The dinner scene's great with, uh, with Kane. Yes. And he's, they're all making jokes about how nasty the food is and, which I'm interested in the, the way that they made their food. They keep saying it was like recycled substance. Like what what does that mean? Oh, I don't know if it has any meaning. I mean, is it like is it like, like cardboard? Is it like a tofu type thing? Dude, it, it, it's like, like what are the three seashells in uh, Demolition Man? Uh, no one knows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like he, he Kane's just scarfing it down, and they're like, "This stuff is disgusting." And he's like, eh, "Whatever." It's it's so gross, but I love it. I thought, yeah, com- kind of comical, but then the comedy just dies when Kane does. <laughs> I, I like the juxtaposition of it. I think that's that's when you know that it's really happening, and like this is mm-hmm. going to be bad. Yeah, that and when Usually Brett dies. Very. Go ahead. That that and when Brett dies, when we discover how big it is. Yeah. Which that scene was cut from the film. Oh, no. Um, yeah, when they're talking about when uh, Ripley and uh, Parker went after, went back to, to see where uh, where he was. Oh, yeah, that part is. But um, yeah. And uh, they see, oh, he's the size of a, the alien's the size of a man now. Uh, that part's cut from the film. Yeah, they just talk about it. Yeah, which is weird. Listen, I love, I love this book. <laughs> It's really it's cool to see that you haven't you hadn't seen the movie before this and you read the book first so we get the get what what this book was intended for initially as a marketing tool for this film coming out from twentieth century Fox. Yeah, yeah. I like the music for the Alien. I I think it's it's a really eerie soundtrack. Uh, yeah. It's it's to me it's kind of bland in the grand scheme of them, um, because Alien Covenant's soundtrack is very similar, but it, it's more ambient, and I find that creepier. Um, okay. My favorite Alien score is Alien 3. It's so grandiose, and at the same time, melds with the sound design. 
is to me one of the greatest film scores of all time. Really? Yes. But wow. yeah. Okay. Just rewatch Alien Three and just listen to the score. It's the best part of that movie. Okay. So, um, what would you say you guys' least favorite thing about this book was? If any. When it ended, I guess. Uh, maybe the, the silliest part being that the alien blew up. Yeah. The pressure of being in space. Yeah, that was goofy. That reminded me of Alien 3, to be honest. Um, but, uh, I mean, other than that, though, I thought everything was perfect. I, I, the book was creepy. Uh-huh. I liked that. And if you put the soundtrack on, like, I guess I shouldn't be saying the soundtrack. This is like the main theme from Alien. It's the like score. five minutes long. Yeah. And it's just, it's real quiet and just real eerie. Like you said, ambient. Yes. It's just, it's got like, you're sitting in a cold room, the lights off, listening to it. It's, it gives you goosebumps. <laughs> you know, just imagine you're on some cold, mm-hmm. dark spaceship floating through space and there might be some little thing creeping around wanting to attach onto your face. It's creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that's probably the only negative that I have with the book is the uh, the alien exploding in space after Ripley throws it out. Yeah, because they don't even do that in the movie. Yeah, no. it just gets fried, doesn't it? Yeah, it's in the uh, sucked out. Yeah, flies away, which it, it looks goofy in a film to me. Yeah, they they linger on it way too long. Yeah, that was a very seventies thing to do, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I honestly can't think of anything. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I was just kind of curious what if there was any for you. I honestly can't think of anything. I guess the smoking. The smoking just, but that's all science fiction from this era. Everyone chain smokes. They do in Aliens too, and it's like, why? Why are cigarettes still a thing in the future? Yeah, like the they're Marines, right? The. the captain or whatever, as soon as they come out of he's their high chewing a cigar. Shells, he's got a cigar in his hand already. He just like his thing opens up and he pulls a cigar, puts it in his mouth. <laughs> what? Uh-huh. I, I mean so that's he's just sleep, holding on to it while he's sleeping. I, I mean I, I um I think that's uh funny. Oh, something I didn't care for. They're all naked when they get out of the uh sleeping pods. And the sleeping pods are full of liquid. Yes. Yes. Which Hey, speaking of Prometheus earlier, wait, no, never mind. I don't think they were in liquid. Maybe they were. I don't know. No, Maybe I... they weren't in the film. Alien. No. Space travel had gotten better by then. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, final ratings for this. We'll start with uh, Matthew. I'd give this an A plus. Five out of five. Easily now one of my favorite books that I've read. Seriously. Yeah. So, good job on picking this one, Jeremy. Thank you. Uh, Adam? A. Same. A plus, yeah. Okay. I'd give this a five out of five. This is, if you're going to read a movie novelization and you're only going to ever read one, this is the one you should read. Yeah. It 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 is the definition of an uh, of a movie novelization, and I know some of our Star Wars fans would be like, "But Revenge of the Sith." It's like, okay, Revenge of the Sith is for EU people. That is very much a Star Wars novel. This is the perfect novel for someone 
who's never seen the movie or has never even seen an alien, anything with alien in it. Yeah. Even if you've seen the film alien, pick the book up. Yes. It's, it, it's to me, like as after reading the book and watching alien, this, this book blows the movie out of the water. Like I, I would be happy not watching the movie ever again and just reading the book. <laughs> Seriously. Dang. I don't know. Alien's one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> I just, I love it. I liked it a lot. So many great things. Well, I officially lost the book for next month. (laughs) (laughs) I got you covered. Thank you. Next month, uh, Adam, what will, what did you choose? I found it. Next month, we will be discussing the novelization to Batman. 1989. Yeah, the Tim Burton Batman. That was uh, the novelizations by Craig Shaw Gardner. One of the best Batman films of all time. The I world's second. most awesome crime fighter is about to meet his match. There we Batman. go. We'll see you in February, everyone. Stay Gucci. <laughs> Have a good one, everyone. Bye. With MailChimp, you get more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. With things like data-driven recommendations and powerful automation tools. Get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. Want to hear some inside scoop? If your kids are as ready to go back to school as mine are, you gotta check out Kohl's. I got my daughters the cutest sew tops for under 18 bucks, Jansport backpacks for 25% off, and 30% off Levi's jeans for me. I even saved an extra 15% and picked up Kohl's cash. So, yeah, not sure who's more excited right now, me or the girls. Select styles. 15% off friends August 15th. Levi's coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store calls account for details.